0: And so we have in this passage here, really, three big examples of those who suffer to bring men to God. And I want you to notice that statement in verse 18. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's why our Lord Jesus suffered. That's why Noah endured, persevered, in the face of great opposition. He persevered to build an ark to bring men to God. And we know that he got his family in and eight souls were saved. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Collaher, pastor of our free Presbyterian church in Cloverdale. Bringing men to God, that's First Peter chapter 3, we'll be looking at the life of Noah, the man who was a preacher of righteousness, and here in First Peter 3 we find that he is held up as an example of one who was faithful in the task, and preached faithfully the message of the gospel to a perishing world. We begin here with a few remarks on the subject of prayer. And uh, we have here the wonderful story of the man going to seek bread at night, at midnight for his friend. And when he came, the man was in bed with his family, and he said, do not disturb me now. But the man persisted, and he received the bread that he required. This uh, account shows us that we are in the work of interceding for others personal prayers are somewhat suspect. But when we pray for the good of others, it is clearly from a right motive. Then we are acting as Christians with our brothers and sisters in mind. You'll notice that you have here the royal, saintly Our, Our Father, which art in heaven. How slow men are to take up this ministry of praying for others. That way, We will never be done at the throne of grace. We can never say there are no needs for which to pray. Think of the Sunday, the ministry of the Lord's church and the cause of the gospel. Think of children that need the Lord. Think of the elderly that are ever near the brink of eternity and are in need of God's way of salvation. The Lord has taught us to pray for our enemies, for precious souls, to pray for servants of God, the church across the nations that need the gospel. And so we are called to pray. Now, also note that in spite of the hour and the interruption that he got his three loaves, and even more, as many as he needeth, there is so much here designed to encourage us for prayer. There is good reason to pray. There is blessing and supply to be had when we pray in this fashion. So today I'm asking you to throw away your doubts about prayer. Cease your excuses for not praying. And see the fire that the Lord lights under these disciples after he taught them how to pray. He ushers them on to pray without ceasing. And we need that spirit in the Lord's church that we might be a people faithful to serve the Lord. Now today our message is on First Peter chapter 3, bringing men to God. And I hope that that is your burden, that is your ministry, that you are laying your life on the altar and saying, Lord, use me to bring men to the knowledge of the gospel. And when we pray like that, The Lord will use us. And so today, stay tuned with us as we turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 on bringing men to God. Right, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're looking at the latter part of this third chapter. And I might say this is a complicated passage of the Bible and we have to ask, why do we give ourselves to the study of the Bible? Well, it's the Bible. That's the first answer. And secondly, uh, we believe in consecutive preaching of the Bible. I think it's right and proper that at times the Lord would lay upon us a special text, a special verse, a special chapter, and wherever it's found in the Bible, we may be directed to it. But as you know, on these Sunday evenings, our intention has been and our desire has been that we work our way through this complete uh, book of First Peter. We commenced right at, uh, I think it was the last Sunday evening of, the, uh, of 2010, and here we are a number of months, and we're, we're working our way little by little. And, and it teaches us uh, the vastness of the Bible, And I'm sure you may be saying at times when the meeting is over, but the preacher never even mentioned certain things in that passage. Yes, we still have to be somewhat selective, or we would be looking at every little uh, syllable and every little statement uh, that sometimes just doesn't work into the particular message. We also want to look at this particular passage tonight because it contains... One of the greatest gospel texts in all of the Bible. Verse 18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Now, if I was to preach to a congregation of people who needed to hear the way of salvation, what a great text! What a great text! for us to consider also here tonight. Also, this passage speaks of one of the greatest men of the Bible who suffered for the gospel's sake. It mentions the man Noah, the man who built the ark. And then it also mentions baptized Christians. It talks about baptism and a good conscience toward God. And so we have in this passage here really three big examples of those who suffer to bring men to God. And I want you to notice that statement in verse 18, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's why our Lord Jesus suffered. That's why Noah endured, persevered. In the face of great opposition, he persevered to build an ark to bring men to God. And we know that he got his family in, and eight souls were saved. And then the third example is the Christian, the baptized Christian. Now we're going to learn tonight that baptism in the first century was a huge thing, it ought to be a huge thing in the 21st century also but I'm afraid we have sort of institutionalized it a little bit. If you were as a Christian in the first century, you renounced your complete heritage. You renounced your culture. You renounced your previous religions and affiliations. You came out of the closet, so to speak, as now a public Christian. And all the reproach and all the price that men were had to pay for that, some with their blood, some with their lives, for the gospel's sake. Now, in this whole context, chapter 3 on into chapter 4, and this is the reason why I wanted to read part of chapter 4, Peter is endeavoring to reconcile people, Christians, with suffering. Now, that is a strange subject. Because our natural minds think, well, if you're in the will of God, and if you love God, and you walk with God, and you do those things that please God, you're going to have a happy, successful life. It's a kind of the prosperity thinking, and we always take it as a physical, material, earthly prosperity. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are they that... Mourn. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. But when? When? Uh, That is the question. Now, the Christian is to suffer as a Christian. And he's not to suffer as a murderer. He's not to suffer as an evildoer. But he is to hold his head up and counted joy, and not counted strange. That's what Peter got to in chapter 4. We're not to consider it strange that we suffer as Christians, and we're not to suffer as if we're some kind of criminal, but rather this is the highest honor that can fall upon any man or woman to bear reproach for the Lord Jesus' sake. So it's not strange, it is what we might call gospel normal. Gospel normal, to lose friends, to lose the friendship of this world, because you publicly declare your faith, your adherence and loyalty to the Lord Jesus. And as I mentioned, there are three examples that Peter takes up. Christ himself, he's the great sufferer. There is no greater example of one who suffered to bring men to God. Then you have Noah, then you have baptized Christians. Now, this is what it's all about, to bring men to God. I can say that's why I'm here tonight. That's why nearly 27 years ago, I left my homeland, came to Canada, came to this part of the country to preach the gospel. That verse that I shared in the prayer meeting a few weeks ago, Matthew 9, 36, where the Lord Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw the multitudes that they were with, they were fainting and scattered and without a shepherd. The Lord used that in my life as I considered coming to preach the gospel in Canada. Why? To bring men to God. And so you could say that everything that I have done and everything that I have uh, sought to be consistent in all of these years is for this very same purpose, to bring men to God. And therefore, every Christian, in one way or another, stands up for the Lord Jesus, witnesses proclaims the name or joins with the people of God to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus that men might be brought to God. That's why our Lord went to the cross. That's why he suffered. And he is our prime example tonight. That's why Noah for 120 years was the offscarring of the world and yet endured. And as a baptized Christian, you are called to a life of suffering as a Christian, not an evildoer, not a criminal, but as a witness for the Lord Jesus. Right, let's get started. We have three key examples. We're going to simply follow these examples that Peter lays out. And in keeping with Peter's theses, we have now a model of suffering our Lord Jesus, who was the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Our Lord Jesus suffered all his life from his incarnation, from his birth in the uh, in the stable, in the kiev, shut out of the inn as a boy, working with his father in Nazareth, all the the, the, the sufferings and the deprivations that he endured. And later when he was in his itinerant ministry at times with no place to lay down, his head no place to call home, he was an itinerant, he was poor, he was uh, berated, derided, he was arrested, he was crucified on the cross. Our Lord Jesus suffered all of his 33 years was one package deal of suffering. It was his humiliation that he might bring men to God. And aren't you glad tonight our Lord Jesus did that? Aren't you glad tonight that he came from heaven, all its glory and all its splendor into this cursed world to become a curse for us that you and I may be brought to God and so our Lord Jesus is our great example. Now, as you will examine verse 18, you will notice that he is called Christ. That means appointed or anointed, sent or Messiah. To this work, our Lord Jesus was appointed and he came to this office to suffer. He was given that very task. Then also it says that he suffered once. Once. When? What day was that? No, it wasn't one day. It was 33 years. It was a whole life of suffering. He suffered once for sins. He continually, all of his years, was carrying out a ministry that involved suffering, reproach, indignity, sorrow, shame, and physical sufferings unto death. Then also, it says that Christ's sufferings were atoning the just for the unjust. And if I was preaching tonight to a congregation of unconverted people, I would have to explain what that meant. I would have to explain how he became your substitute, how he in his death was the just one, the holy one, taking the sinner's place, the just for the unjust. And in that is atonement, in that is justification, in that is the whole sacrifice of our Lord, that he might bring men to God. And we cannot even enter into the sufferings of our Lord on that cross when he was a sacrifice for us, When the darkness shut men out and God in his infinite holiness poured upon his Son all the divine justice due to a guilty sinner, you and me, our Lord Jesus absorbed all of that, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And then it says it was unto death, unto death. There was no escaping. There was no fleeing. He could have fled. He could have opted out. But voluntarily, our Lord submitted himself. He suffered. He suffered it. He didn't complain. He didn't run. He didn't murmur. He didn't cry out for angels to come and deliver him. He didn't say to some man, have pity on me. No, our Lord set his face as a flint to Jerusalem. He was determined to go to the cross. He entered into the arena of suffering as the mighty conqueror of his people. He suffered and delighted in his sufferings, if we may understand that. And it pleased the Father to bruise him to make him the suffering one to bring us to God. We see here how far men are from God, that without that deep suffering in his sacrifice on the cross, there could be no reconciliation. We see here how impossible it is for men to save themselves. We could never, ever bring ourselves to God. It took an infinite Suffering of an infinite Savior to intercede and to pay the price for us. And so we need to see also that only a God appointed Savior can bring men to glory. And so you can see here in this text what the Gospel is all about. It's about a sufferer taking our place, intervening, and bringing us one day to glory and that is the gospel. And so we are to consider the great sufferer. And every time that you're called to suffer in some little way, perhaps, or bigger way, perhaps, you're to consider the sufferer, the model that, that, that Peter lays out for us here, the Lord Jesus himself. And when you stack up all your little sufferings— when you stack up all the prices that you have to pay, the cost of being a Christian, when you stack up the reproach that you bear, because men, they they abuse you and mistreat you because you're a Christian. And when you compare with the great sufferer, our little period of reproach and affliction, it just sinks away to nigh nothing. When we consider the one who was the just, he deserved no sufferings. He was perfect. And yet he suffered for us, the unjust, in our place. So the next time someone slaps you on the face for being a Christian, think of what the Lord Jesus endured. Think of the price that he paid and realize that you're suffering not as a criminal, but as a Christian, a Christ one. And after all, you're praying to be like him, and we are called to conformity to him also in his sufferings. Remember Paul's great prayer, Philippians 3.10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship Of his sufferings. Now that means that you're called to go go through hard things. It means you have to get up at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Most people don't want to do that. It means you have to come to church. It means you have to organize your Sunday differently. It's God's day. It's a day to keep. It's a day to honor. It means discipline in your life. It means that you will not live for television, but you will live that you might have fellowship with God in his word and prayer. There's a price to pay for being a Christian. Now, I'm not talking tonight about being a martyr. I'm not talking about dying on a stake in the fires of persecution. There are Christians who have done that for Jesus' sake and counted it joy to do so. But you're called And we're all called to live a Christ-like life in the midst of a wicked generation that either doesn't understand or hates Christianity. You see, the world is at enmity with God. The image of the Lord Jesus is hated in this world. The devil hates the image of God's Son, And the devil hates the image of Christ in you as a Christian. And the world hates that image. This is one of the marks of being a Christian. You're hated by the world. And Peter says, count it not strange, but consider your example and how he suffered. That brings us now in verse 19 and 20 to Noah and how he suffered to bring men to God. I cannot think of any other man that outshines Noah as one who endured hardship for the gospel's sake. I cannot think of one who endured longer, harder, against greater odds, and saw fewer results. Eight souls out of all the parish of the world that he preached to as he built the ark, and this man who endured is held up for us here in this uh, very verse. Let's read verse nineteen and twenty, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls were. Saved. I want you to notice in that verse 19 that Noah was prompted to preach by the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of Christ in him that made him a preacher. And it tells us that because Noah was moved by the Spirit to preach righteousness and repentance and the gospel, it was actually Christ preaching to the people. You see, the Lord raises up messengers. He gives them his spirit, and he gives them his truth. And when those messengers go forth to preach, they are the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus. So it's quite true to say that our Lord Jesus preached to the people who perished in the waters in Noah's day that the Lord Jesus was preaching to them because he sent Noah. Now, there's a difficulty here. It says that he preached to them in prison. What does that mean? Well, if you read that text very, very carefully, it really means that God sent his Spirit and sent Noah to preach to those people who perished, And they're now in prison or hell. The word prison there has to refer to the place of hell. If you were to read it like this, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits, now in prison. Preached is past tense. Now is present. They're now in hell. Let me tell you, the spirit of God and the Lord Jesus does not go down into the caverns of hell to preach the gospel to men. Men in hell never hear the message of the gospel as you and I hear it tonight. These are the people that were preached to in the days of Noah, which, it says, verse 20, which sometime, which could be aforetime, were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah— and God waited, what was it, 100 years, 120 years. God had great long-suffering all the years that Noah was building that ark. And Noah was prompted by the Spirit of Christ to preach the gospel to them. Now, every time that the gospel is preached in the world, it is the claims of Christ being made to men the missionary arriving in the shores to take the news of the gospel to aboriginals, natives of whatever island or country, let me tell you, that is Christ going to them with the gospel. And every time that evangelists go in through a neighborhood and invite people to a gospel meeting to the church of Christ to hear the gospel, that is the Savior calling men at work in his office as prophet Sending preachers to preach the word. God did that through
1: This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 58 Avenue, Surrey at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-576. One zero nine one. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor. FPC at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at Cloverdeal ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and His great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5am and 5pm and on Sundays at 9.30am on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.